The Spurs' playoff chances are still well and alive, but a key player got lost to injury. Welcome back to Lockdown Spurs, right here on the Lockdown NBA Network. I'm your host, Jeff Garcia, News for San Antonio and Fox29SanAntonio.com. Happy Monday. Glad to have you back. And yeah, Spurs did it again. They beat the Pelicans 122-113 yesterday out in Orlando, keeping those playoff hopes alive. But what does that mean? We're going to recap what happened between New Orleans and San Antonio. Talk about a uh, possible loss, we don't know yet, um, of a key player. And uh, kind of start crunching some numbers, trying to look at this mad race to the eighth seed. To do that, I'm joined by Spurs' own contributor and at the line co-host, Ty Yeager. Ty, welcome back to Lockdown Spurs. And by the way, buddy, I know we're going to talk about this later, but man, you really put together a nice nifty chart to tell everybody exactly how this eight seed race could play out. It, it, it was a lot of work. It, it took me a few hours to get that get that down and get and get it worked out, but. There's a, it's for these next two, three day, three, four days with the Spurs and any NBA fan, it's going to be very complex in how the seating is going to work for this upcoming playing tournament. Yeah. All they got to do is get that nine and, and then let the chips fall where they may, but hopefully they will do that. But before they even can think about the playoffs, they had to th- think about the Pelicans and Ty, uh, the Spurs uh, pretty much came out and just uh, popped. Pelicans in the mouth uh, really, really put them down early. Uh, sure, the Pelicans had a little bit of a run in that second half, uh, thanks in large part to uh, injury, who we'll mention in a few seconds. Uh, but at the end of the day, when you look at overall this team win, Ty, what stood out for you? That this team is very resilient, no matter what they. Yeah. We've been we've seen, been seeing the next next man up mentality this whole bubble season so far. And this team just doesn't really back down. And whenever Derek went down, even though he's he was outstanding that game, yeah, he was. Even though he even though he went down, other members of the team stepped up. And look at Demar Derozan who went off for 15 in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Or look at Rudy Gay who's been scoring like no one's business. Yeah. In the and and so apparently, uh, finding the fountain of youth and dunking on people. No kidding. But um, and then you but then you had other guys where. You have you have you're having other guys evolve their games as well, and they're doing so much more. Lonnie Walker, for example, is he was not scoring the way that people probably would envision him scoring, or the way that people mm-hmm. expect. But he's coming out with playmaking style. He had five, he had five assists in the first mm-hmm. half, and he was just he was just finding everyone that was that could possibly get a shot off. So people are changing their games; they're evolving, and people are st- really stepping up in the wake of it, of someone going out for a game. Now we don't know if Derek's going to be out for the, yeah. for a few in our game or so. I really hope not because if that's the case, this team is honestly screwed. But again, I was very impressed with this, this team win, just the resilience of not letting the Pelicans get into the game at any point at, at any time of this game. The Pelicans, I only believe had one single lead and that was in the beginning of the game. Yeah, uh, you mentioned resiliency. Drew Eubanks spoke about that after the game, saying uh, we always have the next man up mentality. He also said that the team is resilient and that they got the win. That same theme uh, was discussed post-game. You have DeMar DeRozan talking about guys stepping up, playing extremely hard, playing well, that they held on tight, and they were aware that the Pelicans were going to make a run. They did, and they weathered the storm. And I'm glad 
Uh, you mentioned Derek White. Let's go ahead and uh, talk about that. That perhaps was the biggest takeaway, quote-unquote, from the game was the injury to Derek White. He banged knees right before halftime with Drew Holiday, uh, limping off the court. It looked like it was just a stinger tie. You know, I thought it would be one of the things he could just walk off. You know, walk it off, you'd be fine. You know, second half begins, you know, right out of the gates, boom, it happens again. His knee bothers him. He goes down in the heap, off to the sideline, calls in doctors, uh, team doctors, that is. And that's when I knew, okay, something's up. Like, maybe this is bigger than what it is. And uh, fortunately, he walked off the court under his own power, um, but exited the game with a, um, at least according to San Antonio, a left knee contusion. That's the fancy way of saying a, a left knee bruise. So, I hope it's just that. You're glad that is not a tear, but now comes the point, Ty, where, well, we know how Pop and the coaches are and Spurs are just in general. When it comes to player health, they put that above wins. If the Spurs opt to do that, Ty, then maybe, maybe this chase for eighth could be pretty much over. I don't think so. As it will take their odds down tremendously because Derek White is the MVP of this team. There's no yeah. question about it. But – there, you also have a lot more. You have a lot of options besides him that you can work around, and I think, I think the team would play very differently without without Derek. I could see players like Lonnie stepping up. Kel, yeah. the, rot- the rotations are going would change up a, sl- a bit, and you would have different players starting, and all and all that. Well, I think a knee bruise probably won't hold him out for a game. Shouldn't hold him out for a game, but we also don't know the severity of this bruise because knee to knee contact still hurting him up no yeah. matter what. But if it's a bruise and he was just kind of, and Derek was just kind of saying, "This is just right on the joint. It's gonna take me. I don't think it's gonna allow me to heal for this game." Mm-hmm. He step out. But hopefully that's just the case. If he's if he is out for the for a game against Houston or for the rest of the bubble games, then the Spurs' odds in my mind are going to go down. But I don't think they would still be out. They still have a chance. Again, this team is resilient, and this yeah. team still showed. Even though it wasn't a pretty win at the end of the day, they still got a good win over the Pelicans, even without Derek in the second half. So there's still a possible chance of them winning even without him. All right, let's hear what DeMar DeRozan had to say about the injury to his teammate, Derek White. Um, we, we know Derek going down, that was a big blow, blow for us. But, you know, guys been stepping up, um, playing extremely well, playing hard. And we just had to, we just had to hold tight. We knew New Orleans was going to make a run, make another push. Um, we could have did a better job, but we held on tight. You, you know, there it is again, that resiliency, that next man up mentality. And look, DeMar DeRozan is well aware of how important um, Derek White is to the success of the team. But following what you have to say and what we just heard DeMar say, yeah, you're looking at guys like maybe Patty Mills gets reactivated, you know, and he's a, he gets out there and play. We know he can bring some offense. You, you know, also there's a Weatherspoon time. You know, maybe he doesn't bring that offensive punch that Derek can do, but he can bring it on the defensive end, can he? He has been tremendous, and I I think you I think you tweeted out something with that basketball reference, not a B ball breakdown or something like or that. B ball index, yes. B, they, well, they tweeted out saying that Quindary, the best way to describe him is an outstanding defender. Yeah, and I thought that was that, I thought that was something, and. Quindary's just—he's solid. Whenever you see him out there, he's always putting solid defense. His offense probably isn't there, but you don't really need that whenever you have guys like Derek White, Demar Derozan, right. Lonnie Walker. Whenever you have guys that can produce on the offensive end and the floor, and the Spurs—the Spurs' focus is defense because that's what they really need to have been working mm-hmm. on all season long. 
And defenses, what actually really kept them in that game against the Pelicans. Right. Just look, look at the first half where they were outscoring, they were outscoring the Pelicans and they were getting a lot of defensive stops. Mm-hmm. If the Spurs keep focusing on defense and put guys like Quindary Weatherspoon, who can really, who is, who, while we all know that Keldon's big body, Quindary has a big body himself yeah. for his, for his frame. Like literally has a big body. Yeah, he's huge. He's a pretty big guard. Yeah. So Quindary can, Quindary does a really good job of getting in front of your defenders and just using his body to, to interrupt any sort of shot or any sort of pass. Quindary, I'd like to see a lot more of if Derek is not if Derek isn't there. Yeah, and there's also too, you know, Bryn Forbes. You know, he's been sidelined a couple of games already. You know, maybe he gets reactivated uh, for the game against uh, Houston if Derek White cannot go. So it's not like the Spurs don't have players to fill in that void left by D. White if he is going to sit out. You hope that he doesn't because the Spurs are in the thick of things in the Western Conference's chase for the eighth seed. And we'll talk about a lot more about that later with Ty because he has a phenomenal chart that I will want him to talk about and brag about because he did a good job. But you 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 got players that have been there, done that. Forbes, been there, done that. Patty Mills won a title with the Spurs, you know, been there, done that. He knows what it's like to play in those type of, oh, you know, win or lose situations because that's kind of the Spurs situation right now uh, in their chase for the eighth seed you know, in his international experience with uh, Team Australia. You know, he knows about those international competitions. He, he can thrive in that type of environment. And, of course, we have Weatherspoon, as you, we were talking about, and uh, maybe just giving more minutes to some of the younger guys. And speaking of younger guys, uh, Ty, one player that stood out for me in the win over uh, Pelicans was Lonnie Walker. Not necessarily because he lit up the scoreboard with, you know, 20 points or 30 points. was because I saw something I had never seen out of him. He was facilitating very well on the fast break tie. Yeah, he was doing. He yeah, had two. He had two passes that I really loved. Where it was those baseline Manu wraparound passes mm-hmm. down to down to the corner. He had one to. Let's say he he had one to Keldon Johnson in the left corner, and then another one to Bellinelli in the right corner. And, and he had both, another, another nice dish to uh, Pertle. Uh, I think it was in that first half where Pertle went up with some authority. And I think there there was also another pass really early in the game that didn't transition, that didn't result in points, but it was still a pretty pass. But yeah, I've seen Lonnie Walker evolve his game to because we always thought that he was struggling with scoring. Mm-hmm. And but to know that he has another trick in his bag if he if it needed, and bringing out the assists, you I'm all for it. And then also still on, add on that he's still bringing on defense. The reason he's still out there on the floor is because he's doing a lot of excellent defense out there. But for in terms of his offensive game, even though he only got seven points, have six assists. That's mm-hmm. great. Yeah, six assists, six rebounds. Uh, kept his turnovers to a minimum with just one. He was a plus sixteen on the plus minus department for those of y'all who you know swear by that stat. So he was making an impact for San Antonio despite not having you know a lot of points and whatnot. It was because of his facilitating on the fast break, uh, his defensive play, keeping turnovers low, you know, hit a three-pointer, which is good. Even though he went one for five, you just still want to see him develop that outside shot. I think that's what's missing in his game big time right now. So you want to see Lonnie just take steps to getting better. We're seeing that slowly but surely. And plus two, Ty, as I wrote about on the News 4 Spurs zone, uh, he had had to have a heart-to-heart with his dad because apparently he was in a mental rut, wasn't he, Ty? Yeah, and you you could also see it where he's been struggling with scoring. Yeah. While he is scoring double digits, it's still not 
you feel like this is a guy that can score 20 on 20 a night sometimes just with the way that his offensive skill set is. And he's just kind of having taken the backseat with Derek White going off like no one's business. Right. DeMar being there and DeJounte kind of being the third option in this starting rotation. He's just kind of had to, he's been having to take a step back. So I understand where he, he's not, I understand why he's not scoring. Other people are not, not the same like me, unfortunately. But having it, still having him evolve his game to, at least on the offensive end, to be able to go to something else if, it's, if his scoring isn't working. If him being a playmaker is going to be that way to do of evolving his offensive game, again, I'm all for it. Yeah, he also had um, six rebounds as Ty mentioned, but you know, two uh, two of those six were offensive rebounds. So those are just uh, second chance opportunities for his team. Now, Ty, we cannot continue on this chat about the Spurs win over the Pelicans without giving some love to the big men, Jakob Pertl and Drew Eubanks. Those guys really stepped up uh, facing the Zion Williamson, who's a handful underneath that basket at that rim. Let's take a look at Jakob Pertl. Uh, four points, but 14 rebounds in 22 minutes of play. Five of those 14 were offensive rebounds. Drew Eubanks, 23 min- minutes of play. He had 11 rebounds, eight points, and a couple block shots. You got to give it up for the big man. They really stepped up versus New Orleans. As everyone knows, I'm a fan of the forward big man type of players. And Drew Eubanks and Jakob Pertl did excellent out there. Yeah, 25 total rebounds com- between the two of them. 11 offensive. That's it. Not- Whenever you look at st- rebounds, the easiest rebound or easiest in quotations is defensive rebounds. Right. The hardest of all the rebounds are the offensive boards. Mm-hmm. And for them to have 11 between them two, those two, those two are cleaning the glass. And then also add on that between the t- between two f- seven six ten and then seven foot guys, you have four steals. That's something mm-hmm. a bit different. And then Drew Eubanks also adds on two blocks to his count, along with three assists between four assists between the two of them. Again, this this game probably would not have been won if it wasn't for them cleaning glass and making sure that Zion was not having an easy time. Even though Zion still scored about twenty, I want to say twenty five points. He was a negative 21 on the floor, and that's because yep. Drew Eubanks and Jakob Pertl were giving him a really hard time down low. Drew Eubanks, I think, probably did the best job of just kind of getting his, in his grill but not mm-hmm. fouling. Even though even though they both drew – I want to say Drew had four fouls because of just some questionable officiating. Still, even in foul trouble, these guys were doing exceptionally well out there and doing a really good job of defending, the, defending that Pelicans team. Yeah, it, it the, those two big men really uh, impressed me, and, and especially, look, I'm I'm ex- I'm excited for Drew Eubanks. You know, he's part of this youth movement. We just don't know whether he'll be in San Antonio in the youth movement or maybe somewhere else. Because Ty, correct me if I'm wrong, I think his two way contract is up, something like that, where they have to decide yes. what they're going to do with him. So we don't know. We could be watching the final games of Eubanks in his Spurs uniform, but if he did what he did versus Pelicans and continues to do that in these last few games out in Orlando, maybe the Spurs, you know, could have some serious talks with him, but Jakob Pertl, you know, I made it very clear. He's been that guy for me that I'm keeping a close eye on because of him, you know, chirping a lot pre restart about how he deserves more minutes and, you know, he needs an larger role. Well, against new Orleans, he proved it. Look, he bounced back and he self admitted uh, to the media after a recent game that he had a couple bad games. And I think, Ty, you were even mentioning it too. Like, man, Pirtle, what's going on with you? But 
he did a good job. You know, he, he, he had a couple stinkers. Okay, fine. You know, Popovich even told us after the, after a recent game saying that they wanted to see Pirtle to be more forceful in the paint. And he did that versus new Orleans. Um, you kind of forgive those two games that he had. Um, and, you know, hopefully he just gets better as this New Orleans, I'm sorry, this Orlando slate continues. Or did those two games kind of make you think like, well, okay, fine. If he walks, I get it because, you know, he's not consistent enough. And he's not, as Popovich said, not being forceful in the paint. So going into those first two games, the first four games, he's still – he did really decent against Sacramento and did pretty good against Memphis, just not really scoring-wise. But then he had some really bad games against Philadelphia and Denver, and that was mostly because he kept getting called for some pretty cheap fouls, and it just he was just not having a fun time defending Embiid and Pirtle and uh, Jokic. But I felt like the Utah game was a big confidence booster where he scored 19, 19 points and 10 rebounds off of 75% shooting. I thought that was a really – well, once I saw that game, I knew that was a big confidence booster for yeah. him because just having some really bad games and not living up to the expectations that he set for himself going into this bubble, to go out like that against Utah was probably the big confidence booster that he needed and then to go out and have a solid game against New Orleans and defend Zion Williamson really well, right. that's going to be another confidence booster for this big man that really needs it. Again, in the past two games, he's he's has a total of 24 rebounds, and nine of them are offensive. He, while he only has about 20, I want to say 25, 23 points. If I'm doing my math right in at the top of my head, <laughs> yeah, but, you might be tapped out on math because of your chart. No We're gonna be talking about it in a few minutes. No kidding, but for him to but for him to do the the way that he defended yesterday, even with racking up five fouls, unlike the Denver game and the Philadelphia game, whenever he started getting in foul trouble or specifically the Philadelphia game, he kind of backed down on his aggressiveness. And against New Orleans, he didn't let that get in the way, and he kept defending the way that he's known for whenever he's outstanding. So Pirtle being the way that he did did last night, yesterday against New Orleans, awesome job. Yeah, and uh, what do you think about Eubanks? Um, you know, I know we, we got to move on quickly, but I, I know he's kind of, as I mentioned, thought of at least among the fan base as part of this new crew, this next wave of Spurs. But we all know that he's kind of, no pun intended, on the bubble, if you will, in San Antonio because of the contract situation. Do you think he's shown enough at this point that the Spurs could seriously say, okay, Drew, let's, let's get to the table? Or, you know, maybe, Drew, good luck. Thank you for your time, and good luck to you elsewhere. Quick answer, yes. He deserves a full contract. Okay. And looking at some quick stats, really, and I know these are not these are not going to be jumping out for everyone, but also remember that this is a guy that went undrafted, is in his second year, and is coming off the bench. 60 minutes per game, 7.3 points per game, a block a game, along with six rebounds, two and a half of those being offensive rebounds on 69% shooting. Nice. But so these are, again, these are really good numbers for a guy that's coming off the bench as a center and just the and he does a lot of stuff that's not shown in the box score where he is running out he is running with energy he is fight he is fighting nearly fighting guys yeah. as we can see him postering everyone in sight but he brings a lot of energy to the floor he does a lot of great things out there and just watch him watch how he's moving his feet on every defensive play watch how he's being aware he's calling things out there's a lot of things that Drew Eubanks does that's not going to be 
on the box score that he does really well. And for the Spurs front office to have a lot of confidence in him and put him in the in the in a really solid rotation spot, and even had him starting earlier in the season, I feel like this Spurs front office has a lot of confidence in Drew Eubanks, and I feel like they are going to give him a full a full contract. And this could honestly, the money I'm thinking is maybe three five million for a few mm-hmm. years, maybe fifteen million and fifteen million in three years total. That's kind of the money I'm thinking, but. Drew Eubanks definitely deserves a full contract and become a a integral part of the bench rotation. You know, if that does happen, you know, for for me, Ty, if I'm the Spurs and the coaching staff, I'm like, okay, Drew, you, we want you to stick around, but my God, you, you got to develop something out beyond outside the paint. That's my only knock on him. Um, he's a banger. He runs a break well. You know, he can rebound, finish at the rim with authority. But if he, so I got- he, he needs to evolve, man. I got my count. I got my counter though. Okay, if go for it. You watch his game in in Austin. He has a solid hook shot that he can hit from anywhere on the floor. So and we and he even he even likes to call himself Captain Hook. So <laughs> so but watch watch some tape of Drew Eubanks in Austin, and you can see how he can actually shoot. He can shoot pretty well from all from different sides of the floor. He's not going to be shooting a three ball, but he can take a mid range and he can take a deep hook. There, he has a he has a lot more in his game than just getting boards and dunking. Well, you are the uh, are you the uh, president of the Drew Eubanks fan club. Just admit hey, it. The ticket t- the, the Drew Eubanks train tickets are on sale. If anyone wants them, <laughs> you check them out on my Twitter. All right. Uh, well, there's a, your quick recap of the Spurs win over the Pelicans. One more time, one twenty two, one thirteen. The Spurs moved to thirty one and thirty eight and four and two at Orlando. Uh, should be 5-1 and one in my opinion, but hey, it is what it is. Uh, DeRozan finished with 27 points. Kelton um, Johnson, 9 points. Rudy Gay, 19 points and 5 rebounds. Jakob Pertos, we mentioned, 4 points and 14 rebounds. The Spurs bench shined one more, once again. 50 bench points from your Spurs. They will next face the Rockets tomorrow um, in uh, will hopefully be another win because they got to keep the wins coming in because Portland doesn't seem to lose and we're going to dive into that and next up. What do the numbers look like? What do, what do the Spurs have to do? What happens if they lose a couple, one here, one there? You know, you know, how does that affect them in their chase for the AC? But before we do that, I want to talk to you a little bit about CBD freeze. Um, so what is that? All right, so it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. So CBD Freeze with Menthol. What is that? It's an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. Then they got CBD Recover, and that combines CBD with inflammation-finding compounds like Arnica, and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. Now, what I want you to do right now, and I'll make it easier for you to try this duo of products, of topicals, if you will, and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. So once again, that's CBDMD.com. Promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. 
We are back, and I'm joined by Ty Yeager. He is a Spurs Zone contributor, co-host of At The Line Podcast, and of the Spurs Podcast. You definitely should check out. And uh, now we're going to get to some math now. No, Ty, I was never good at math when I was in school, ever. I remember in college, I remember deferring my math courses to the bitter end because I just hated math. Still do. But fortunately, you are okay with math, Ty, I'm assuming. And you broke down what what's going to happen, the scenarios that could happen. If the Spurs go 2-0 and in the last two games, 1-1, or God forbid 0-2, or even if their competition, Blazers, Suns, Grizzlies, you know, how they finish out their slate out in Orlando. Okay, so Ty, your first question is, best case for scenario best case scenario for the Spurs what does that look like so just before we go go on I'm just gonna say I'm not the best at math either I'm literally leaving my last math class to my last semester so <laughs> well you you're like me that's what exactly I did I, I did, already did what my main math class and then whenever I transferred to university they told me oh you have to do it in our math class I'm like fine <laughs> but uh this is some basic math to be honest but looking at this the best case there's so I did 15 different scenarios that the Spurs could possibly experience. I did leave the Suns out of my chart because the Sun, honestly, if the Suns take one loss, they they lose their running. But if they do get a win win today on Monday, I am going to update this chart, and I my head's going to hate me just because all the math is going to be done. But it will be done. But so out out of the 15 different scenarios that I had, I had of the Spurs at worst going one and one. That. Eight, eight scenarios would have them going into the, going into the plan. Two, only two would actually have them get in the eighth seed, and that involves both Portland going Portland and Memphis going zero and two, or Memphis going zero and two and Portland splitting their their last two. But the best case, the the Spurs need to win out no matter what. There's only I want to say there's only two scenarios in where the Spurs can go one and one and still get into the plan. But that also requires Portland going 0-2 and Memphis going 1-1 or 0-2. But the best-case scenario is Spurs need one out. That's a given. They need to win these next two games and hit them in the best possible scenario. That gives them the most chances, too. Out of, out of all the different chances, if they go 2-0, they have five different chances to get into the playoff, playoff to into the play-in. Mm-hmm. But the best-case scenario, again, the best-case scenario is that Memphis goes 0-2. They completely drop the ball in these next two, and they just go 0-2. Those are the best chances if you want to get the eighth seed. And then if you want to get that eighth seed as well, Portland needs to, again, like I said, needs to drop either one game or both their games. No matter what, you need Portland dropping a game. You need, in any of these, scenario, in any of these scenarios, if you want the Spurs advancing, you need Portland to drop a game. Yeah, if Portland I, I, does not I, drop a game, it's going to be very futile unless Memphis completely drops their ball. Yeah, I mentioned that to you yesterday um, when you showed me the, the chart, and I think I even said to you, I go, I think at the end of the day, it just everything revolves around Portland. They just got to lose at least one more game, but they they just haven't. You would think that that loss would have came against the Sixers, but it didn't because MB gets hurt. Okay, fine, you know they rallied, they got the win, but. I think that's the best case scenario. Well, let me rephrase that. That's the best situation for the Spurs when it comes to just dealing with Portland is they got to lose one at minimum one, right? Ty? Yes. Portland needs to drop one at least unless, unless you want, if they do go Oh, two Memphis needs to drop one, but the only, again, 
in all these scenarios, if I'm looking at the Spurs possibly making a seed, Portland needs to take a loss, no matter what. I'm, I'm just I, – I, what I'm confused about is Phoenix. Why is it for them that if they lose just one, they're completely out? Is it because the percentages don't add up? or Because yeah. they're, they're on a five-game winning streak. I thought that would be enough for them to at least – their margin of error at least afford them one loss. They're because right now they are underneath the Spurs. Right now the Spurs winning percentage is forty four is forty four nine. The Phoenix Suns are forty four three, and they're half a game back from this from the Spurs. If Phoenix takes any sort of loss, then they're not going to be able to make up that ground in the time that they have. Mm-hmm. They do have three games left, including a game t- today on Monday. But again, if they take it, if they take one loss, they're not going to be able to get into any of this because these teams are already high up in the winning percentage. Memphis right now is at four is at four at four sixty five. If you Memphis again, if Phoenix takes a loss, they're not going to be able to make up ground okay. when it comes to winning percentage. If I'm pretty sure that this is how the league is going to do seating is going to be based on winning percentage. Don't, but mm-hmm. I'm also there's like a ten percent in the back of my mind saying that doesn't sound that doesn't seem right for some reason. But if if Phoenix does get a win today. It's going to make my head hurt. It's going to make a lot of people's heads hurt because that pushes Phoenix to be tied. I believe it's going to put it's going to have Phoenix even ahead of San Antonio, possibly in winning percentage, because I put Phoenix at thirty-two and thirty-nine, while San Antonio is only thirty-one and 30, 38. The weird part of all of this is that none of these teams have played the same amount of games, and no, none of them will. Memphis will have played a total of seventy-three games at the end of this. Portland 74, while the Spurs will only have played 71 total games. Hmm. That doesn't sound fair. And whenever your season gets stuck in the, gets stopped in the middle of the season, it, nothing becomes fair at this point. So, is, I think the Spurs, uh, Popovich even mentioned this too yesterday after the win, saying that, you know, if they can still get into the ninth seed, that'd be great. You know, despite you know missing the, the starters being gone and LMA and Isles, et cetera, et cetera, is this a situation where the Spurs, if you're looking at all, their best shot of at least forcing the playoffs is that nine seed, eight seed play-in tournament? I think that number nine seed seems to be more attainable than maybe eight. No matter what, no matter what happens, the Spurs are going to be a, are going to be in a playing tournament if they do make if they do get the eighth or ninth seed, just because both, all of these teams are okay. within that four, that four game margin. But, so but I'm talking, what my question is, is that more likely, yes, that playing tournament will likely happen, but it's yes. more likely than not if everything plays out the right way. Well, no, because you said if you and Portland loses, they'll vault over. See, that's where I get confused. So if the, Portland loses, they vault over them or they're still behind them. So the bare minimum, I think the bare minimum that people that Spurs fans can ask for is the Spurs winning out, of course, and Portland and Memphis both dropping at least one game. Okay. If Portland drops one game and the Spurs win out, that puts San Antonio ahead of Portland because Portland's winning percentage is just right, right on. It's like one point. It's point zero one point. If you, wow. it's that it's that close of winning percentage. So if the Spurs do go two and zero and both Portland and Memphis drop one, it's it goes Memphis and eighth at a winning percentage of four six five. The Spurs in ninth with a winning percentage of four six four, while the Portland Trailblazers would be out at four five nine. Wow, it's that gets close. that close. Wow, it is. It's yeah, the, the margin close. of error is, is is very slim. But hey, this brings out the competitiveness of players. 
this type of environment, this uh, chase that the Spurs are in the mix right now with the Blazers and Memphis and I guess technically right now Phoenix because they haven't lost. But, you know, let's, let's hear from DeMar DeRozan, what he had to say about being in this type of environment where every game matters. As a competitor, as a competitor, you you, you got to love these moments. Um, just going out there, compete, understanding that every every possession counts. It's kind of like playoff games before the playoffs, honestly. So that's how we're going out there, treating it, going out there, just competing the best we can. DeMar DeRozan there, Ty, saying bring it. You, you know, they, they got to just win out. I think that's the safest, quote-unquote, way the Spurs can at least have their highest chances of getting in somehow eight or nine right that tournament yeah so again like i said if out of the 15 ones i did i did about seven there's different seven different scenarios that the spurs could could it could happen to the spurs if they go two and oh and five of them would have the have them making making the play in so wow the best their best odds of getting into this is if the spurs go two and oh and it's going to be a tough two and oh um they have the rockets tomorrow and they got uh, the Jazz to close out their seeding games. Maybe, just maybe, you know, Rockets and Jazz set out some of their starters. Um, you know, the Rockets are pretty much locked in at their spot. Um, Jazz, I think maybe, you know, they don't risk, you know, injury to Mitchell and Gobert or even Ingles. Don't know. But something tells me that the Rockets are not going to do the Spurs any favor by that. I mean, Harden played. I think Westbrook sat out the last game and Harden played. Maybe they flip it. Westbrook plays and hard as it's out, but uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. You know, the, the, they're closing out their slate on a tough two, but they did beat the jazz. So there's that um, tight. You know, do you think this team has what it takes to pretty much run the table? Yes, they do. Okay. And especially if Derek white, if Derek white is healthy and playing for them, this team has the capability of running the table. Oof. No question. I hope so. Well, there you have it. Uh, Ty's uh, breakdown of how the scenarios could play out for San Antonio, win, lose, or hopefully not lose. At the end of the day, it just comes down to them winning out, and you got to hope that the Blazers lose a game. And, Ty, that means maybe cheering for the Dallas Mavericks, the next opponent for the Blazers? Yes. Uh, I believe the next the next set of games that you need to cheer <laughs> – I know it's, it sounds – it's so odd cheering for opposing teams like this. But um, today, for Monday – you need to be cheering for the Oklahoma City Thunder as they go up against the Phoenix Suns. On Tuesday, whenever the Spurs go up against the Rockets, you will need to be cheering for the, for the 76ers just in case the Phoenix Suns don't get a loss on Monday. But they're going to be in the second game of a back-to-back. You also need to be cheering for the Boston Celtics as they go against the Grizzlies. And then you need to cheer on for the Mavericks who are going to play the Blazers on TNT that night. And then if for some reason, if it's going on to the last game, Thursday, Thursday is going to be a big day where you need to turn for the you need to turn for the Bucks, you need to turn for the Mavs once again against the Suns, and you need to turn for the Nets. So mm-hmm. there's a there's a lot of hope that you need yeah. to have. Yeah, and the, the guys are ready. I spoke to uh, Demar Derozan, uh, Rudy Gay after the uh, game uh, versus the Pelicans, and they're ready. You know, they said uh, Rudy Gay told me that if you're they're here not for not. Uh, a big reason of that being the playoffs. So um, hopefully the vets and the young guys can mesh together and continue meshing well, as we've seen so far out in the bubble and get these next two wins at the end of the day, listeners, it comes down to the Spurs got to win out and they need help no matter what they need some help. And Portland's opponents are not 
helping right now. But we shall see how this shakes out. In the end, Ty, no matter how this season ends, you know, kudos to this team, man. I mean, for them to be where they are right now in this situation to at least contend for the ninth or eighth seed when many counted them out to begin the seed, the restart, I mean, tip your hat to them, Ty. This Spurs team has exceeded expectations, and you have a lot of you have a lot of young guys who are showing up and really proving to themselves that they can be a big part of this team in the future. When we get back, we're going to wrap up this episode of Locked On Spurs. But before we do that, let me talk to you about RockAuto.com. It's a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need. Uh, you need uh, control modules, they got it. Brake parts, they got it. Tail lamps, they got it. You need new carpet for your car, they got it. So whether it's your classic or your uh, daily driver, you get everything you need in just a few easy clicks at rockauto.com and delivered directly to your door. Rockauto.com has a big catalog. It's unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You get to see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands. They make it very easy for you when you go to rockauto.com. And the prices there are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You want to go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about this section? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. We are back, and I'm joined by Ty Yeager. He is a Spurs Zone contributor and co-host of At The Line Podcast. And speaking of ATL, Ty, what's going on with you with you over there? Uh, we'll, we'll come back to that. Okay. We, I, we, we, haven't record, we haven't recorded an episode lately, but we'll begin an episode out. Just busy between moving moving into my parents for the, for the next week and a half, and then yeah. also trying to cover Spurs and all that. So we've been slightly busy, but again, if you I have other content I'm putting out there though. So if you want to check true. All, if you want to check out all this the other stuff that I do, you can check me out on Twitter at the Ty Yeager. If you want to look at this chart and you need a visual like me, you're not good when you're listening to math over audio. I understand. Don't worry. You can check out the chart. I have it posted on my Twitter. There you go. Go check out and follow Ty on social media. Ty, some quick news and notes that uh, we need to discuss. Let's talk about uh, Popovich. Uh, he talked about LaMarcus Aldridge's rehab in San Antonio, and it was pretty, you know, straight to the point, saying he's doing well. He's listening to team doctors, <coughs> Kawhi Leonard, and um, that things are progressing well. So uh, good for LaMarcus Aldridge. But, you know, Ty, bring up LMA because – you know, they're playing well without him right now. And huh, even Rudy Gay, to begin the Orlando slate, said that they're playing more fluid without him. And he didn't, it was, I don't think he was throwing any shade at him, but he just said what it, it is what it is. He does miss him, but he did say they're playing faster and more fluid without him. Ty. What, what do you think about LMA? He eventually he's going to come back next season and he's going to be with these guys and he's not with them in Orlando. And I get it. It's just circumstances, the pandemic, he, you know, why put him out there that risk? Okay, fine. But this team is showing they're playing well without him. Where do you stand on LMA? Going into this bubble, I was the original, I was saying, keep LMA and then allow DeMar to walk. However, after seeing how this bubble has gone and seeing how DeMar's didn't, 
done exceptionally well. I really kind of want to keep DeMar at this point, at least for one more season. But it also requires that Lamar – I feel like LaMarcus needs – would it be the last man out on this one. The pace is just so much faster without exactly. him. The team looks – it just flows much better. You don't see – you don't see – you don't see as much iso ball, I would say. You do occasionally see iso ball with Demar, but that's because Demar is trying to create opportunities because he's doing. He's also adding some playmaking to his ability. Now, whenever this team was really, the team looked the best whenever Lamarcus was stretching the floor and he was more involved in, in passing the ball and all that, where he wasn't just finding himself down in the post, just working on the post moves. But this team just looks so much better without him. Uh, be again like i said the pace is so much faster it just i think this team works much better without him and you have other guys that you can go to as a big man look at drew eubanks look at yakup hurdle yakup has had probably the bet has done so much better without lamarcus down there either there's just a lot more positives than negatives without lamarcus unfortunately and it just makes him the last man out it really does you know the optics right now seem that this team plays well without kind of a uh, LMA style player, LMA or just anybody who just plots in that paint because you got to slow down the offense. You got to get him going. You, you got to start getting the ball rotation in the half court going just to get him his looks. The way they're playing out in Orlando is freestyle. You mentioned the pace. Yeah. I think the, their first pace is one of the best, if not the best in the uh, bubble. If not, they're definitely top five. They're, they're running up and down. They're getting easy transition bu- buckets. But you have games like we saw against the Sixers and the Jazz and, you know, where the Spurs could have used a high-quality big. And, you know, Pirtle got a couple bad games. You know, going out against uh, Joel Embiid was one game where maybe LMA could have helped San Antonio. That was the game that Minifield could haunt <clears> – <throat> excuse me – could haunt San Antonio down this stretch. There are games, though, Ty, where – having a quality big comes in handy. And I think that's where Trey Lyles comes in. And everyone forgets that Trey Lyles is on this team because he's out with, but I think that if this first team had Trey Lyles here in the bubble, I think this first team would be even better just because you do have a solid, you have a solid big man that you can go to as a, as a good power forward. It's not just a center like that. I think that this team probably would be running a starting lineup that would look like, Derek White, DeJounte, DeMar, Trey Lyles, and Yakupertle, if Trey Lyles was healthy. So I think Trey Lyles could be – well, some people probably don't see him as the answer. I think he'd be, he'd be a good, good fill-in for LaMarcus because Trey Lyles isn't really needing to work in the post. Mm-hmm. He, Trey Lyles is stretching the floor. Trey Lyles is putting a really good defense out there and still has to be able to be athletic at 6'9". I think Trey Lyles would be a better fit in for, than LaMarcus just based on age, based on how – the body, the play styles. I think Trey Lyles would have been a good fill-in. I think people would agree if we were able to see Trey Lyles at least with this team. Yeah, he was fitting in well before um, he got scratched because of injury, and he was coming on on his own. He was playing really well right before the pandemic uh, ended. The well, at least temporarily, put a halt on the season, and it was a shame to see him pretty much be scratched from the Orlando games because. The rebounding would have been key. The three-point shot would have been key. Another big can run up and down the court would have been uh, key. And he, he hit the mid-range, something that LaMarcus can do. So, yeah, you know, there's that. But it's going to be interesting to see how LMA returns and if they're going to, you know, still stick to what was what is working in Orlando or revert back to, okay, LMA's in. And 
well, we got to run the half-court offense. We shall see. But, Ty, one more time, tell everybody how they can uh, follow you on social media. You can follow me at the Ty Yeager, the Ty J A G E R on Twitter. You can follow at the line at the line pod as well for anything like that. But again, all my content's come on off my personal Twitter. And again, if you want to look at that chart, you can find that on my as my pinned tweet. There you go. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff G Spurs Zone. Go to the Spurs Zone News for San Antonio on Fox 29 San Antonio.com and subscribe to Locked On Spurs wherever you get your favorite podcast. So for Ty Yeager, I am Jeff Garcia. We're gonna put a lock on this episode of Locked On Spurs.